0: Photography lovers, and welcome to another episode of the Fashion Photography Podcast, the one and only place you can find everything you want and also everything you need to know about the fashion photography business. And maybe at the moment you're asking yourself, how am I supposed to get this information? And I've got the answer for you. Every Wednesday, we're here with another guest, a person from the industry. And every other Friday, I'm answering your questions and I'm also giving you some little tips and cool tricks to live a life out of your photography business. And when I say we, I mean me, your host, Virginia. I'm a fashion advertising photographer with more than 10 years of experience in the fashion photography industry and the gorgeous producer of the show and also my soulmate, George. Today is Wednesday and it's time for another interview. But lately we have provided you with lots of interviews with other fellow photographers. So we decided to spice it up a little and this time you're going to have a meeting with a retoucher. And because it's a big transition, she's going to tell us how to make this transition from photography to retouching because she used to be a photographer and because she had to learn a lot about retouching. She will tell you how to improve your retouching skills. And there is something very interesting when we talk about working with clients. Everyone is going to tell you that it's very important to usually make personal meeting. But my guest today will tell you if you can work remotely without even ever meeting your clients. And of course, because if you don't ever market yourself, it's going to be very hard for you to get clients. So today we're talking about marketing yourself. Let me tell you about our friends from Lucy's Magazine. They're waiting for your next beauty or fashion editorial, and one of your images can become their next cover. And now, it's time for podcasts, so say hello to our latest guest.
1: Hello, I'm Luta Salmesh. I'm a retoucher. I've been doing retouching professionally for about two years. Before that, I did photography for a couple of years, and that's how I got into retouching. And I feel like I'm at the right place, and I found my true passion. So I'm very happy to be interviewed about that. So nice. Just two years,
0: and you're yet yeah, so good. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Tell us more about your experience. How did you learn retouching?
1: Wow. Wow. Okay, so um I started out when I was doing photography. I was in high school, so I wouldn't really say it was a very serious adventure for me. But it definitely opened some doors to retouching because I loved processing my photos. And I was also a little bit of a control freak. So <laughs> I tended to over edit everything and it was just really bad. <laughs> But it was probably the most enjoyable part of the image creating process for me. So I gravitated towards retouching after a couple of years. And honestly, the reason why I'm doing it professionally now, full time, is because I was in desperate need of money. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. my partner recommended me freelancing websites. And I just started doing it because if I can do it for myself, why not try it for other people absolutely and i did that for a little while but again i i did not study retouching or anything so it was a completely self-taught thing and i was doing that but i wasn't really satisfied with it because i didn't get jobs that were challenging and i wasn't really developing my skills because i didn't need to did you at least got the money needed well not really But it was fun enough that I kept going. And after a while, I realized that, um, yeah, what I'm doing is bad. It's really bad. (laughs) (laughs) So I kind of stopped doing what I was doing. And I dived into many, many Facebook groups about retouching. And I read creative criticism. I read a lot of them. And it was till this day, I wouldn't dare to post my work for criticism because... Really? They were absolutely brutal but very very useful and that's how i started doing retouching the proper way because i learned what not to do <laughs> before i even started the criticism was ingrained into my brain before i even knew what layers were i kind of had a direction i i knew how to start and what not to do not to do as in you know when people fight about frequency separation and stuff like that I tried to just do it the quote-unquote proper way, and um, that's where it started. I don't think I've asked for criticism much because I was just too scared. I tend to learn by myself no matter what, and that's probably not the best way, but so far it's been working for me, and if I'm really, really desperate for help, I ask for help.
0: Would you recommend right now to people that don't have such thick skin to go to groups like that and get a little bit of criticism towards their
1: work? Absolutely. Do as I say, (laughs) not how to do, because I wouldn't dare to do it just because I can't really take it. But if you want to learn, it's amazing. Seriously, I think I learn more from those groups than anywhere else.
0: I think also the part when you were just looking at other people's mistakes and learning from those, I think it's super amazing because you're ready to consume information. And I think this is the main thing that is going to lead you in the future for better results. You know, people usually say, learn from your mistakes, but I've always been thinking you can learn from everyone's mistakes.
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: So you're like the living example of that. And after you continued with this learning process, when was the first moment that you just had this first job for someone else? Once you were done with it, you were just like, oh my God, I did a good job here. You felt satisfied.
1: I say that I started retouching probably about two years ago, Mm -hmm. but I've been working as a retoucher before that, it's, it's a weird concept. I know, and I'm not proud of the works I did before that, but I did have moments then when I felt like, Oh, okay. I accomplished something and this satisfies me. But if we have to talk about the stuff that happened after I actually got into retouching and I did things the proper way and as a business, um, I remember there was a shoot. For a company that makes beautiful, beautiful head wraps. And they shot these group shots with black women because it's a company founded by and owned by and the, everything that they create is created by black women. Mm-hmm. And the shots were just absolutely wonderful. That was my first favorite series. It was a lot of pink, a lot of pastels. Ah, beautiful. That was, uh, The first moment when I finished and I thought, okay, this is what I want to do. And I will use this shoot forever because I really (laughs) loved it. We can actually also find
0: this photo shoot on your Instagram account.
1: My Instagram account is L-U-C-A-S-Z-A-L-M-A-S, which is just my name. And yes, guys, you can also find them in the show notes, just as usual.
0: And there we can see, for example, on one of the photos, three women all together, and their background is actually the city. And which city is that? I think that's in New York. And where are you based? I'm based in New Zealand. Ooh, well, (laughs) that's across the whole world. Yeah, it is. It's so amazing because working as a retoucher, actually you can do it from your home and Those images can end up everywhere. Oh, tell me about it. It's
1: amazing. (laughs) Do you ever go on a shoot along with a photographer? No, that's the interesting part. I've never met anyone I worked with. Whoa. Yeah, because I live in the middle of nowhere on a farm. Mm -hmm. My whole career at this point is based out of my office. Yeah, Which is crazy because I work with people all around the world, mostly from America and uh, some from London and Europe. But yeah, I never thought I could reach out and meet so many people. It's mind-blowing. Yeah, it's
0: crazy, as you said. (laughs) So you should be very good with your marketing strategy. Do you want to share with us how you reached out to so many people
1: that are so far away? I think the Facebook groups definitely played a huge role in it. I met pretty much 50% of the people I keep in touch with regularly in Facebook groups. And I think a lot of my inspiration and a lot of recommendations came from that. But I also try to keep active on Instagram and communicate a lot with people and ask for help, for advice. Or just discuss creative concepts or share inspiration, you know, like just regular everyday stuff that is not necessarily work related, but those relationships did get me a lot of work, which is so nice. It is because I would prefer working with people that I have some sort of connection with instead of just getting a random email from somebody across the world and I don't know them. I don't like to go way beyond the professional relationship, but I like to have friends that I can count on.
0: And when you're closer, you can understand each other, what is the other person into, and you can provide the right results.
1: Yeah, and I think the reason why I like to talk to artists is because, wow, shocker, they get me. (laughs) It's not the same with regular people who don't really know about how the industry works and, Mm -hmm. you know, the struggles. I feel like sharing struggles with people helped me tremendously. And I hope I could help some people.
0: Oh, that's so cool. That's exactly why we're here, right? (laughs) Yeah. So when you mentioned the emails, this is something that we can be truly helpful with for the photographers and also for the retouchers that are listening to the show. Maybe you can tell us what's the perfect email that you can receive Maybe it's not something that you have received so far in the moment, but the perfect one is a structure. What is supposed to send to you a photographer? How are we supposed to explain as photographers what we want as a final result from the photo and from your retouch and uh, not to mess up the situation before it even started? I really appreciate this question.
1: What usually happens is I get a lot of Instagram DMs and emails saying, what's your rate or how much you charge for images? I usually don't like to reply to those because that to me screams that this is not that important and I'm just shopping around for the cheapest person. Mm -hmm. So what I would like to see instead, first of all, say hi, because that's just basic respect and
0: Mm -hmm.
1: first of all say hi tell me who you are don't have to go too much into detail but just tell me do you do fashion or beauty or lifestyle or wedding or whatever tell me what you're looking for exactly because most of the time people ask me very vague questions and retouching is um it has so much to it I can't give everybody a black and white answer to this very, very simple question that doesn't really target anything. Mm-hmm. So I like it when people say what they do, tell me what they need, show me what they need, because I like to ask for images before I give a quote, because an image can take five minutes to retouch, and it can take five days to retouch. Yeah, And I can't, tell without seeing the images or having just a basic idea of what the images are. So I like to get a a couple of samples. I like to know how many images are there in total, Mm -hmm. what the deadline is, if they have a budget, although I usually don't like to ask what their budget is because I feel like that question is a bit of a repellent. For some reason, people like to disappear if I ask (laughs) about the budget. So I tend to just share that information from my side first. Yeah. Although I, that's not the greatest solution because we all know that the first person saying a prize uh, pretty much loses. But so far, I'm not super concerned about the business side of retouching because I try to treat it as art. Mm -hmm. (laughs) On top of these things... I usually only need this information to start with, and then we can progress into some deeper information. But that's pretty much all I need. Do you ever do
0: stuff just for your portfolio when you really love the project?
1: Yes, I do. I used to do a lot of collaborations. It was Mm -hmm. mainly what I did. I barely worked for money. (laughs) I just worked for exposure, which is horrible. I really hated it, but it did get me a lot of great portfolio pieces, a lot of amazing connections, and a lot of practice. And I think the time I spent on collaborations was probably the best way to spend my time because although it didn't pay me, they did get me a lot of knowledge and A lot of connections that I find very valuable, and those got me jobs.
0: I think this is actually the natural process because even if you're a photographer, you're always starting with collaborations, you're always starting with personal projects, and those are usually projects that you are paying for.
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: If we talk about hiring a model or buying something for the shoot or just transport, these are all money that are coming out of your pocket. But these are also the projects that the clients are seeing, and that's the reason why you have clients because they're seeing those projects and they're coming to you, especially in such saturated market as our market today. You can be a brilliant photographer, retoucher, makeup artist, but if you're not showing to the world what you're capable of, no one is going to come to you. So collaboration projects are so amazing for
1: this.: Yes, but I gotta say. Lately, I haven't really been doing much because I just don't have the time for it anymore. And I think I have good enough pieces already. But so my default position right now is no, I will probably not collaborate. But when I see something really nice and I know the person who's shooting it, for example, I see some behind the scenes shots Mm -hmm. or a friend is telling me that um, they're going to shoot something and I really like the concept, and I really like the friends portfolio, I might ask them to show me some images, and I might ask them to collaborate. But yeah, nowadays, I feel like I have more control over what I collaborate on. Of course, yeah. When I started, I didn't really think about that much about the quality of the images. I did like them. It would be a lie to say that, oh, they're not good. I just don't like them anymore because my style and my taste and my vision obviously during the years it developed and it was a good practice I would not change anything it was very good to start out with but now I don't really do them because time and and also there are photographers who exclusively use retouchers on a collaboration basis and first of all, everyone knows that they don't pay, but also you go to their portfolios and you can instantly see the huge differences mm-hmm. in the quality and style. And I feel like that's just not beneficial for the photographer because there is no signature style. There is no consistency. And that's why brands don't really like to hire those people because you don't really know what you get. When retouchers collaborate with those photographers, we know that the photographer doesn't pay. Everyone knows that the retoucher did it for free. Other photographers think, oh, this retoucher is doing this for free. So I'm going to try because why not? And then those requests keep rolling in that, oh, hey, do you collaborate? And I don't feel good saying no, but I have to because it's not sustainable. So yes, when people start out, collaborate. Yeah, I shouldn't say that (laughs) my word is the word, but do it. Collaborate and network and practice. The practice part is what makes this the most valuable. And second is the networking part. And then the portfolio, because as you get better, your portfolio will get better. But you got to do it first. It's again, the
0: natural process, because... It's normal for you to start, to develop, to bring your work to another level and then to start having jobs. And these jobs are going to take away a lot of your free time because it's no longer free. (laughs) Yeah. And then when you're such a good retoucher, you're just starting and connecting with amazing photographers, which means that your work and your portfolio are always evolving. And at the end of the day, your portfolio looks so amazing without even the free part,
1: (laughs) which is so good. I think there is still plenty of free stuff in my portfolio. I'm not going to take them out just because they were free. Of course. I keep the best pieces. And when I collaborate, I only collaborate on stuff that is better what I have now. I have to benefit from it because now I still don't make a lot of money. Don't get me wrong, I'm not rich or anything, I'm broke as hell, but I make enough money that if I do those collaborations, they take a lot of time away from jobs that would pay me a proper amount, Mm -hmm. but if that collaboration is not good enough, that's a double lose for me.
0: Yeah, I think it's very nice that you mentioned the part where a photographer should stick to a certain retoucher. Can you tell us a little bit more about it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I believe that retouchers can be a huge part of your style as a photographer, if you have a retoucher. And if you have somebody good, stick to them. If you don't have any reason to change, why would you? Just stick to one retoucher. There are a lot of photographers who who do this um, collaboration thing regularly. And you can see the differences Look, it doesn't matter if a photographer has like two, three retouchers because we're busy. We can't always do the jobs. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you have to find a different person. But if you have a very small set of retouchers, you will have consistent quality, consistent style, and your images will be recognizable. And not just because, oh, That person uses a lot of retouchers and I can kind of pinpoint the style, but wow, that image is so overdone because that's what used to usually happens. I notice pictures and I can tell that, oh, it's from a specific photographer, but who's the retoucher? I have no idea. And it's different from every single picture. And I look at the photographer's profile and I think, yeah, I would never hire this person because. I won't get consistent quality. That
0: was it for today, guys. And you'll be able to hear more next Wednesday when we'll be back here with the second part of the interview. And until then, you can go to photographypodcast.net where you can find all of our previous episodes and also some additional cool, spicy stuff like special articles just for you. So guys, if you want to know more, go to photographypodcast.net or if you prefer listening, just make sure to subscribe to our podcast. Thank you guys so much for being with us today and I'll see you next Wednesday.